Welcome into this edition of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and today we have a very special guest. Uh, she is the deputy editor at Hale Varsity Magazine. She is the unofficial number one Chipotle fan in all of Nebraska. <laughs> she has had a sandwich named after her at the Great Block 16. Welcome in, Aaron Sorensen. To be fair, that sandwich was also named in your honor. It was a co-honor between us. It, and it, what the honor it was. It we, was. We haven't really gotten a chance to talk about this in person. I think that that would be a good starting place. Would you like to talk about the background or do you want me to set it up? Well, you you set it up because it technically started with you tweeting something, and then I kind of came in for the assist. Fair enough. Okay, so just I follow a bunch of random food accounts. I don't know why I do this on Twitter because it's torture. So I follow this <laughs> this uh, this barbecue restaurant down in St. Louis. It's called Sugar Fire Smokehouse, and they tweet out daily specials, and they all look amazing. But I can't have them. Obviously, I don't live in St. Louis. So I just tweeted, or I, I um, quote tweeted it and said, like, if anyone in Nebraska, if any restaurant in Nebraska wants to make this, I will give you all the money for it. And then you swooped in yeah. and tagged Block 16 and said, hey, you guys get after it. And mm -hmm. Block 16, of course, if anyone doesn't know, A, it's the best restaurant in Omaha. B, they do daily specials every day. They, they tweet and Facebook around like 10 a.m., um, what the special is going to be. They put together all kinds of crazy stuff, and they're very good about interacting and listening mm -hmm. to fans. So, so they saw this tweet, which was like a it was um, a sandwich with burn ends. It had fried avocados, I think pepper jack cheese, um, some kind of onions. Some kind of aioli. It had a lot of... Of course. Just it had a lot going on. Yeah. And the bread itself was also like... Uh, a homemade type of bread. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of things happening. Mm -hmm. And then... So they got a hold of it and mm -hmm. because you you made the connection there to them. And then they were like, yeah, we got this. And so they actually came out with the version of it. This was probably, what, like two months ago mm -hmm. now, I would say. And of course, Block 16 is not just going to do the exact replica. They're going to take it up. They had burnt ends, a spicy peach barbecue sauce, fried avocados, marinated onion, buttermilk slaw, Chipotle honey drizzle on a pepper jack jalapeno cornbread. Yes, and that I, they made. I apologize if my voice is sounding a little weaker because I had to step back from the microphone so I didn't drool all <laughs> over it just remembering this greatness. So we didn't get to eat this together. I went for lunch and yep. then you went for dinner later. Just before I say anything, I want to hear about your experience with this sandwich. Yeah, and you know, I have to just, I have to go back really quick because okay. I want to tell you an interesting little like caveat to all of this and yes. why I tagged Block 16 into it other than being a huge fan of theirs. So when I actually moved back to Omaha in, that would have been almost eight years ago, I lived for a couple of years after college in Lincoln. And mm -hmm. then when I eventually moved back, uh, my my fiance worked at ConAgra with uh, this guy named Greg, and they're still good friends today. So shout out to Greg McGinnis. If Block 16 listens to this, the owners will know who I'm talking about. So Greg was kind of like a Block 16 super fan before a lot of people really knew Block 16. And he went so often that when he ended up moving to New York City, he did his going away party there. They ended up naming a sandwich after him for the, everything. And I don't know if it's still on the menu or if it was just for a period of time. But long story short, he was kind of like the original super fan of Block 16. And so he brought us 
brought both Kyle and I kind of into the fold with Block 16 when Kyle lived a block, literally a block from Block, block 16. From block 16. I mean, that was my favorite place to go to get chicken fingers because their mm. chicken fingers are very good, mm. which I know some people are like, how can chicken fingers be anything but just what they are? But they make everything really, really good. Yeah, go to Block 16 and then just tell me chicken fingers are chicken fingers. Right. <laughs> so they do a good job with everything. So when you had tweeted what you did, it kind of just hit me that, you know, they love to sort of riff on things that they see other people doing. They love to celebrate other local restaurants across the country. And so I was like, okay, if someone's going to do this, it's going to be Block yeah. 16, not just because they're going to be good at it, but, but like you said... They like to engage with their customers. They mm-hmm. like to know who their customers are. They like to, uh, they like to have fun on Twitter and Facebook. And I think that's so important as mm-hmm. a business because mm-hmm. then you feel a connection with them beyond just going and showing up and eating the food. You feel like your family almost with them. So yeah, when they f- they decided to do it, we weren't able to go until dinner. And I remember everyone that was with us, like not like we just went by ourselves, Kyle and I, but like all the people around were like, why are they able to order this? Because they held back two specials for us. Uh-huh. And everyone else was just like staring at us. Like we had like untapped some holy grail that like we were able to order a special that's no longer available. Um, but I mean, they brought that thing out and I didn't even know where to start. It was like... Do you pick it up? Do you, I mean, there was no, I had to take my engagement ring off because like there was like just stuff. It's a napkin destroyer. Yeah. I had like sauce like dripping down my arms. I mean, there was no like nice way to eat that. You were, that was not a first date sandwich. I mean, if it was, I mean, that would be pretty impressive though. But (laughs) I mean, it was, it was so good. And I think the thing that's so cool about Block 16 like you said, they make everything their own. Mm-hmm. So it was everything I kind of thought it would be, but nothing like I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. They just made something that I hope they do it again. And they do tend to bring specials back every so often. So I hope it shows up on the menu again because, I mean, it was just so many great things all in one sandwich. Yeah, and they did tell me that it w- it's one of their best-selling specials ever. So I'm hoping that it makes the a reappearance. The power of the Hop and, Hop and Sorensen sandwich. <laughs> yes, the Hop and Sorensen witch. That's right. Yes, it was. It was just a surreal experience to like to see that on the board, mm-hmm. and then like I I, I sat by um, by the register and just to hear person after person come through and just order the special. It was like it was a really cool like just experience mm-hmm. to see that. And but I love the point that you made about. Block 16, and I've written about this, and I don't know why more restaurants, especially local restaurants, don't do it, but they just engage with the community mm-hmm. so well, whether you know whether it's just tweeting out the daily specials, whether it's tweeting at customers, whether it's you know always having your employees you know be smiling and friendly at the counter. like it's so simple to just mm-hmm. create like with us, they we, we already love block 16, but they have brand advocates for life with these two people who have huge social media followings now. Like, that's genius. It's free advertising. I mean, people always kind of give me... There's there's this group of people who, you know, Team Qdoba, Team Chipotle. Mm-hmm. And I do eat Qdoba just because I love Chipotle. And first and foremost, I do eat Qdoba as well. But I, I think one of the reasons that I love Chipotle as much as I do is when I first became familiar with Chipotle. I was in high school and it was one of those things where at the time, similar to Jimmy John's, there were only really locations in college towns. They really put their focus in college towns because they wanted to build that base, which was genius at the time when you think about it. So 
there was a Chipotle like two blocks off of Nebraska's campus. And now it's still technically there, but in a new building. But uh, the original one I remember was on this corner. And it was like, you either got that, uh, Amigos, Arby's. There's like three things that you could get. So I just started to really connect with Chipotle as like a healthier option between. Mm -hmm. And a better option. And a better option. being honest. (laughs) I mean, Amigos is great. Amigos, they have their place. But not every single like time you need to go get something to eat. Um, So... The thing, though, that really started to strike me about Chipotle is I think they were really on the forefront of restaurants who understood the power of social. Mm -hmm. And so as I started to get more and more into Twitter, they would engage. And as somebody who like was on Twitter when only like Ashton Kutcher was on Twitter, um, it was cool to see this brand essentially responding back to things, finding people talk about them. And over the years, they have, as a company established enough of a relationship with me that like I was in a pretty horrific accident about three and a half, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had a package that came from Chipotle. It had uh, coupons in it for free Chipotle. It had stickers. It had t-shirts. It had a note that was signed by pretty much everyone in their corporate office, which I was like, holy smokes, like this is completely like, I know they can't do that for everyone, but the fact that they took the time out of, somebody took the time to box that up and send it, um, just went to show they understood they were more than a brand in that moment and that they were a part of making someone feel a little bit better. And I watch them do it all the time Mm -hmm. on Twitter. Like a random person will be like, you know, want something and they'll throw them a free, you know, a free meal just because they feel like it. It's really cool to watch brands do that. So on the local level, like you said, to see a block 16 really owning that understanding of their social power is, is so important to their business long term. But it's also a really, really like cheap PR strategy. It you, humanizes them. Yeah, it's such a it's such a brilliant way of building like this good PR and getting people like because people trust your opinion on food. So if Dan Hoppin says I like this and I had a great oh, experience, you. yeah. But I'm serious. People like I watched the engagement that you get. So for them to take that time to build that relationship with you, one is just smart because you're a good person, but two, like it's also really beneficial to them as a brand. Imagine if they just ignored you. At some point, you'd probably go, well, I guess I might go somewhere else. I I would still respect them, but yeah, I mean, and let's, you know, let's be perfectly honest. I love Block 16, but it's not the easiest place to go to. A, it's downtown, Mm -hmm. in downtown Omaha, so, you know, that parking is just a mess, and B, it's so popular that yeah. there's always a line out the always door. Always a line. So if you try and go at noon or, you know, 530, mm-hmm. you know, t- peak meal times, you're going to be waiting for a while. So, like, that is that would be an easy way for me to just say, uh, you know, I, I like Block 16, but I have, like, this B-plus version of it that's going to be a lot more accessible for me. Right. But, but, no, I will go out of my way. I will stand in that line and torture myself as I smell all the good food coming out because... A, it's worth it, and B, yes, they did. Like, it's weird to say that you have a relationship with a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> but but that thing, that happens. Like, I actually, one of my favorite restaurants, um, I it's temporarily closed right now, and their owner is going through a lot of stuff. But, like, it, like, legitimately saddened me when it closed mm-hmm. because this restaurant became more than a restaurant to me. It was It wasn't a brand anymore. It wasn't a business. It was, like... My friend almost. That sounds super weird. It is weird because like I like I feel this is gonna sound weird. Ten Wally is almost as the same thing mm-hmm. from an ice cream perspective. They they're really good about sharing their daily flavors for both their Benson and their downtown location. But they'll like 
every so often, like I'll have a like on Instagram from Ted and Wally's and like I've had them comment on things before. And I don't know why it's just like you suddenly feel important. Yeah, I don't, it makes you, you feel, feel good. noticed. Yeah. And I think that, that what you just said is so correct. I think block 16 at its core is very good. I would be recommending block 16 whether or not they engage mm-hmm. with me. The difference though is I have a tendency now to go out of my way if I can go to block 16 or take people I know to block 16 or tell people to go there because of the fact that they build relationships, you feel comfortable in, I don't know, being able to recommend them because you know what they're going to, they're going to take care of the people that you're passing along. And that's, I think just such a powerful thing and just so powerful for any brand using social, even beyond the food community. But like anybody who understands the power of social media is sort of, I know it feels like everyone should in 2019, but it's oh, still something where, <laughs> yeah, which is just so amazing to me. And Block 16, I'd say in Omaha, is definitely on the forefront of understanding what they can be and how to utilize their brand. Yeah, I have a, there is a restaurant account here in Omaha. I won't name them be, be, <laughs> because I actually like this restaurant and sometimes they engage with me in a good way. But there are times where like I'll tweet something during our Nebraska football game. I know who it and is. They'll, oh my God, I know who it is. And they'll, Sorry. and they'll tweet back at me and be like, no, you're wrong. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I very well might be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. And they, <laughs> I don't and, want to know. And they might be right. Yeah, as a business, you don't tell your customers that they're wrong. The customer, I, like it's a cliche to say the customer is always right. And that's obviously not true. But you don't insult your customstomers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be very interested. Once we hop off the mics, we can talk about this. Because yeah. I don't want to put, I them, I don't want to put them on blast on no. here. Um, no, and they don't They don't deserve to be because I know who you're – I'm like 99% sure I know who you're talking and about. And it's not malicious. And no, and everything's great. I think the difference – you're right, and I have to learn this with Hale Varsity quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So like with Hale Varsity, you get people who come along and you make comments sometimes where you just so badly just want to like clap back at them. And that unfortunately is not my place as a business mm-hmm. to clap back at somebody. Now, I mean there's times where like, okay – Everybody is so excited about college game day. Who's the game day picker going to be? And um, based on when people listen to this, you may know who it already is. But like, for instance, um, some of the options that you've seen floating around in different polls is like Adam Devine, Devine. Yeah, the, the workaholic guy. Yeah, I always want to say I get him and Adam Levine. I want to uh, say their yes. names too similar. It's Adam Devine. Got it. Um, he like he was an option, and someone's like, "Who cares? Who is he?" And it's like that's an instance where it's like, well, you know, just so you know, he is actually from Omaha. He's from right. the South. So that's not clapping back. That's just like, here, let me provide. Let me inform you. <laughs> but there are times where you just so badly want to be like, you're wrong, but. You, you have to find that like place as a business to be like, you know what? People aren't attacking necessarily you. They're just, or they have a different viewpoint and you just kind of have to let it roll with the punches on that a little mm-hmm. bit. And sometimes it's hard to disassociate a brand from like the personal feelings and mm-hmm. that's where you get into trouble. But yeah, I, it's tough because especially people who run like their own Twitter accounts through sort of their yeah, business accounts, it can dangerous. be difficult mm-hmm. because... I mean, even like my account's literally my name. It's at Aaron Sorensen. I don't even know how many people tell me sometimes, like, take this to your personal account. I'm like, this literally could get, this could not be more personal if I tried. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. Um, so you mentioned Hale Varsity there. Mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. You got a chance this summer to follow around 
Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. I almost said Taylor Martinez. I can't believe I do I it all the time. Adrian his Martinez, dad. Nebraska's just current quarterback. I'm just kidding. It's not his dad. <laughs> no one tweeted me. <laughs> uh, you got a chance to follow him around mm-hmm. for a day. That included two or three meals at the training three table. Meals. Three meals mm-hmm. at the training table. I know he was kind of in and out. He would kind of grab something to go and then go to meetings, but you still kind of got that experience. I believe that you um, – kind of chronicled it more in the most recent issue um, of Hale Varsity. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of peel back the curtain for curious Nebraska fans who just have no idea what the training table is, what it looks like, what's available to athletes? You can take this in any direction yeah. you want to go, because I'm sure there are a lot of ways you could go. But just for people who don't know or haven't read the story yet, which they should, what is the training table like in Nebraska? Yeah, so actually what was interesting is when I followed Adrian, it was it was last spring during s- spring ball, mm-hmm. and um, – he, so I, I had an understanding of the training table. It's, it's essentially the food, uh, cafeteria. I, I don't know the right word. It's, it's in the belly of Memorial West stadium of Memorial stadium. And it's, it used to, I used to be able to eat there as when I was in college, but now it's so popular. It can only essentially be athletes and staff. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole point is they try to make sure that they have a little bit of everything to get the um, carbs they need, the proteins they need, uh, the immunity, the items for their immunity balance, like all these different things. Uh, but when I followed him last spring, one thing that really stood out to me is this make your own station. And they had set up what they call the life skills kitchen. And he, said it hadn't been there in his entire time that he was there. It had opened in the fall. It only served breakfast at the time. And it had by that spring opened up to serving both lunch or breakfast and lunch. And so breakfast was egg dishes, different things you could do with that. And then lunch was essentially rice and noodle bowls. And you could throw just about anything you want in there. When... So when I followed him that day, I kind of was like, wow, I really want to tell a story about what the training table is doing because I kept seeing essentially the student athletes taking ownership over their own meals. Yeah, there was plenty of like pre-made stuff, but like there was all these options to make your own parfait, mm-hmm. uh, to make your own sandwiches. So I really wanted to see what that was all about. So I got a chance to get with uh, the uh, their director of nutrition performance, Dave Ellis, who's been at Nebraska in the past. He was gone for 17 years, but just came back last year. And he's really big on having the student athletes essentially own their own fueling is how he sees mm-hmm. it. They're fueling with the N uh, for the future. I know, right? Um, but they just actually this summer, because of how popular that Make Your Own Station was, introduced dinner, which is now pasta dishes. And so student athletes can do breakfast, lunch, and dinner on their own, but they can also make their own sandwich, make their own smoothies. They can make their own salads. Uh, they have a kombucha, they have kombucha on tap. Do I say that right? I probably don't. Um, I think that's right. Uh, they have a quick bread station because they realize like, things things like uh, waffles and pancakes were getting stale, so it mm-hmm. allows them mm-hmm. to make their own um, parfaits. They have these this trail mix wall where they can basically make whatever they want and take it to go. Um, the whole point, though, is teaching the student-athletes how to basically set themselves up for success in the future. So if they're not able to uh, be at the training table, how do you make something for yourself at home? How do you pay attention to what you're putting in your body in a restaurant or at a friend's house or with family on Thanksgiving? Like, how do you see yourself eating and how it's affecting the way you feel and your body and everything else? So that was really what I, I wanted to look into. And it's impressive. I mean, to be honest, people should read the story, but spoiler alert, the reason the quick 
uh, the Make Your Own Station even came about was actually Matt Farniak. Mm-hmm. He uh, he basically got to the training table one day. The eggs were what he felt were cold and hard. He felt like, I can make my own. So Ellis pulled some induction burners out of storage and was like, fine, make your own. And so that's how it all started is because of a question from a student athlete. So they have plans to keep expanding on all of that, but it's so cool. It makes me wish that existed when I was in college. But to be honest, Ellis had me make my own bowl. I made my own noodle bowl, and it's not easy. And I, yeah. I can cook. And it was still, like, so much pressure. <laughs> so is there – is it all just out there for them, or is there mm-hmm. any kind of training? Like, because you said it's not easy. So how no. do they learn how to do it the first time? So they have a full staff of people. Like, they actually have a, a young woman who runs the life skills kitchen piece of it, and she has a staff of people who work with her. And so, like, for instance, when I stepped up to the induction burner to make mine, they have this, like, little mid-middle section that has all of the vegetables and different things that you could want to throw in there. And then they have all of the meats. And so they have steak, shrimp, chicken, um, both dark and white meat um, back. And then you just ask how much you want, and they provide that to you. Uh, But so one of the student workers was talking to me while I was doing it. He was asking, do you want rice? Do you want noodles? And then he's like, do you like things spicy? Because he's trying to understand like the different flavor profiles that I might want to include. So I told him I do really like spicy food. So he went and collected all the spices they have that are spicy, put them in front of me and was like, I would really recommend this one with this one. Uh, Some guys really like teriyaki with this one. And so he was basically making suggestions based on what I had told him I would like. And so that is how they help train is they just have conversations with them while they're doing it. So Adrian Martinez, while he was making his, uh, same thing, like the kid that was working was asking him, oh, what do you like? Do you want this? And they help kind of guide them in what you might want. So by the time you've had some experience with it, you don't need anybody's help anymore. Um, I mean, Noah Pola Gates is a freshman, but he's like already smoking everyone out of the competition. He's throwing honey in his. Uh, I mean, his. He's a vet already. Oh my gosh. He was telling me, he was like, all my teammates are too afraid of spice as he's like pouring all this stuff in there. I'm like, you go, dude. Like, have at it. The, the, uh, Carlos and Cleo Davis, like they are just on a different level with their cooking. They don't even try to help them anymore because they're like, I want four eggs, two things of steak, this. And they're just throwing all this stuff in uh-huh. there. I mean, it's super cool to see them do it though. And so now they have that skill for the rest of their life. And yeah, that's the thing that I think is so cool. And you've mentioned it a couple times is that this is not just about fueling Nebraska athletes. Mm-hmm. So they perform well on Saturdays or on the basketball court, on the volleyball court, whatever it might be. It's about really educating them for when you're out of here and we're not making everything for you, mm-hmm. you can do this yourself. Cause I remember back when I was in college, I mean, I was just like crushing, you know, Little Caesars pizzas or like two boxes of mac and cheese, like just terrible, terrible things for me. And I had no idea what I was doing in my body. And that I'm fine now, but and I have a better understanding. But these athletes are like, they're getting that exposure to it right away. And I mean, you know, we don't know how many of these guys are going to play in the pros, probably not very many where they'll get that continued education. But now they are set up for the future because they've been told about that. So and I'm trying to find it. I, I'll have to actually share it with you. So Ellis did give us, he has a fueling tactics. It's their education that they use for the athletes. And so they break food down into three sections. And then within those sections, based on the amount of activity an athlete is getting, if mm. they're injured or if they're working out at full strength. So the f- top one is immunity, essentially like the, the 
the food and things that you need to put in your body to help your immune system. Uh, the second one is carbs and reducing sugar. And then the third one is diversifying your protein. And so within those, they can determine, are you working out enough to be able to sustain this type of carb? Or do you need to move over into the left side of the carbs? Are you same thing with proteins There's some proteins that are better if you're working out hard and some that you need to eliminate mm-hmm. if you're not. And so, uh, he, he has them broken down into three steps and it's really cool. And it's actually since, I met with him made me reconsider even how I'm eating. And that was just a couple of weeks ago that I had that conversation. But I think about that now. I'm like, all right, today's not as much like travel days. I'm not probably going to be moving as much. So I need to be hyper aware of the type of um, the type of carbs I'm eating. It's not just about like this type of protein. It's what kind of protein am I eating? And so that was actually a really helpful conversation even for me to have and so I can only imagine how successful the student athletes will be because of that knowledge. Now, I'm quite sure that each student athlete, and this probably goes into what you just talked about, is set up with a pretty strict, like, this is how many calories we want you having every day. This is how many grams of protein. This is how many grams of fat. Is that tracked in any way by these athletes? Or do the coaches or, you know, uh, Ellis, do they do they just kind of, present them with the information then say, all right, you have to own this. We're not going to hold your hand. How does that work? It's the latter. So I actually asked because I remember when I was in college and like I said, I used to be able to go to the training table mm-hmm. and in Sue, let's take him for instance, you would walk in and there'd be these signs over all the different stations. And it would basically be telling the athletes like, all right, Indomitian Sue, you need to have three things of chicken breast today, <laughs> or you need to have this many, this many, um, this much of this item, whatever the case is. And so I asked Ellis, I'm like, do you still do that? Basically provide them with a, you need to eat this many calories. You need to eat this. And he said, no, because what we found is when you do that and you tell them this is exactly what you have to eat, they get bored within three days. And they're like, can I substitute? And he's like, absolutely. You can substitute. Why, why wouldn't you be able to? So what he does is they present them with the nutritionist on staff. And they have almost 80 to 90 people working in the training table. Um, But like 17, I think, of them are basically like based, like nutrition-based, focused on that. And he he will present them with the information. Here's for your body type and what you need to be doing. Here's what your goals need to be. Now it's your, it's up to you to go walk through Mm -hmm. everything and figure that out. Now he goes and coaches them. So the day I was with him in the training table, I mean, he's watching these student athletes, all what they're doing. And he'll go up and offer and be like, hey, I think you need to throw some more vegetables in there. Or he said he, he's even had conversations on game days where he's like, hey, I saw what you were eating earlier. You really got to get some more greens in there. So he's mm-hmm. coaching them through it. It's almost just like what Scott Frost would do on a field with like, you need to run a little harder or do this or do that. He's doing that with them, but from a food perspective. So he's watching, he's evaluating, and then they have that conversation of, what you could be doing differently or better, or how can I help you be a better athlete when it comes to your fueling? So he's he's very much coaching. And I think the players honestly view him as a coach. He's just coaching them on what they eat. And so, yeah, it's very it's very much on the student-athletes. I watched plenty of student-athletes walk out of that. I mean, not every plate that leaves that place is perfect. Um, <laughs> there are plenty of junk food and plenty yep. of sh- things that they shouldn't be taking too much of, and they do. 
And I figure there's still 18 year old kids at the end of the day. And he, for him, it's like, it's, it just makes his heart sing though, to know like they're making those choices for themselves. He'll just go help coach them about it a little bit later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Speaking of smart choices, as as we kind of start to wrap up here, this is a good, I like that transition. I I, I cannot, (laughs) I cannot not ask this on the podcast. That was a really good sentence. Um, But in the most recent issue of Hail Varsity, Mm -hmm. the food issue, you guys have the great debate chili and cinnamon rolls mm-hmm. do they work together do they not i've i've read the article i know where you stand share with the people where you stand all right so i just want to be clear there are three people on that in our office that are on god's side and then three that are on like whatever <laughs> the like non-holy side uh no i i believe that chili and cinnamon rolls go together they work together Preach. now now to be fair i don't like to mix food so like i'm not like the per. i'm not daring enough to like dunk the cinnamon roll and chili right that is not because i don't think that could be good it's Mm -hmm. just because i don't mix foods Mm -hmm. um but there's nothing better to me and one of my favorite days in the press box every year is chili and cinnamon roll days i miss it nothing like having a nice bowl of chili and you can make it at home however you want and then having a cinnamon roll to go with it whether you eat it dunking it or you eat it on the side it's totally cool i just don't understand some of my coworkers who mostly hate chili. And so they'll only eat the cinnamon roll. I'm like, chili is so great yeah, though. If, if you don't like chili, then you don't really have much of an opinion <laughs> in the first place. But yeah, I agree with you. It's like, they're two very comforting foods. Mm-hmm. One is sweet. One is savory. Mm-hmm. They work well together. Like when you have things, like if you have a burger and fries, that's a classic combo. You can put the fries on your burger if you choose to do that, right. but you can also eat them separate, and they're amazing. So why can we not do that with chili and cinnamon rolls? Why? The, I, I agree with you in that you don't have to be a huge stan for chili and cinnamon rolls, but I don't get the backlash where people are like, "Oh, that's disgusting." It's like it's like you, chicken and waffles, right? If you put yes. if you like chicken and waffles, it's of the same idea. It's the salty with the sweet, and it's essentially it's it's the same idea. So. People, like you said, I don't understand the like immediate like hatred toward it. Now I understand there are some people who they didn't grow up with that. So it's just like, well, this is it could weird. Be weird yeah. I've never put these two things together. It's the same thing like Runza. People are like, what are you <laughs> talking about? It's like a glorified Hot Pocket. In yeah, their minds. exactly. Um, I always tell people don't knock until you try it. Same thing with a Runza. You can't have an opinion on whether a Runza is good or not until you actually try one. Mm-hmm. Same thing with chili and cinnamon rolls. Because with chili, the best part is maybe you don't like a certain type of chili. Um, like Kyle, my fiance, he's not a huge fan of like red-based chili. He's he, But he doesn't like red sauce even really with anything. Which is fair. So he's a really big fan of like white chicken chili. Which, I mean, that's just a white sauce. And, like, you can change how you make your chili. So it's really just, it's, the thing about chili is it can be really anything you want. Uh I mean, my grandma was just would look in her fridge and just be like, here's what I've got. It's going in the pot. It's chili. Uh Uh-huh. So. Yeah, toss a bunch of stuff in the crock pot. Two hours later, boom, chili. Yeah, and then you throw some cinnamon rolls with it and you got a meal. Who can hate that? I don't know. I don't understand just those monsters. people. <laughs> monsters, which uh-huh. is half of the Hail Varsity staff. <laughs> I'm calling all of them out. <laughs> all right. Last question before I get you out of here. This is something that I always like to ask every guest, and mm-hmm. um, maybe we already talked about it earlier, but I want the what I'm calling the I Got You restaurant. So let's say you are you have a friend or family member who's coming in from out of town, 
maybe they visited Omaha, maybe they just haven't been in a really long time, or Lincoln, just anywhere in Nebraska, I guess. And they say, okay, I'm here for a day. I need a really good meal. Like, I love food. Take me somewhere good. And you say, I got you. We're going to blank. Chipotle. I'm just kidding. I was, was going to say Chipotle. Um, no, it would always be Block 16. Okay. I yeah. always recommend Block 16. Now, with that said, because I think Block 16 is like my go-to on every on everything. Same here. I, I will say a couple of other places I've recommended is Dario's if you want a really Love good burger. Dario's. Oh my god. Now, to be fair, Block 16's burger is also really good, yes. but if you want a different type of burger, I'd really recommend Dario's. And you want on the same weight at Dario's. Usually. Uh, yes. I mean, you'll get you in can. probably a little bit quicker, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, I know it's, it's, there's one now in, oh, there's Omaha and Lincoln, but lead, bill, lead bellies, especially yep. for their mac and cheese, other, uh, their blackened chicken salad or, uh, Caesar salad is really good if you're looking for something like that you can tell yourself is healthier, but it's not. Um, <laughs> you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Though. So I, I mean, salad. I have a couple of places where I'm like, well, what are you looking for? Yeah. But more, more often than not, if someone's like, I'm, I'm going to be around. In fact, as we're getting ready to put our wedding website together and we have a page that's like on things to do in Omaha, I'm pretty sure Block 16 is like the one solo that's restaurant. In bold. It's yeah. like, if you need a place to go, that's not far from where you're going to be, Block 16. But it's because there's a little bit of everything for everyone. It's so true. And it's so true. I just know if people go there, it's very, it's, it, I've never had a person leave and go. I didn't really like that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never had that. Whereas I've had that with other restaurants. Mm-hmm. Block 16, it's always like, I wish I could go back and get more of something. Yeah. So yeah. it's the place to go. I got you. You got it. All right. <laughs> um, I guess that will put a perfect like block 16 sandwich on this entire episode. That is a terrible That's pun. That's the Hoppin' Sorensen Witch. That is the Hoppin' Sorensen Witch. Wrapped up in a nice bow for everyone. Aaron, this was a true pleasure. Thank you so much for the time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you um, again for everyone listening to Restaurant Hoppin', and we'll catch you on the next episode. A Parkville Media Production.